Good morning. Welcome to the church. We're glad that you're here. Uh, I'm Terry. I'm the lead pastor at North Star. We're one church with two locations right now. We're looking at more in the future. We're glad that you're here, and if you're a first-time guest, thank you for coming, and we hope that you'll come back. We're, we're just regular f- folks around here. Uh, we're real people at a relevant church who connect people to a growing relationship with Christ and each other. Why? In order to fulfill our life purpose. That's why every week, just about, I'll say, North Star's a place where everybody's welcome, nobody is perfect. Say it with me, church, and that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'll let that one pass. It, it really is that kind of place, and God is that kind of God that loves us and welcomes us. Um, I want to just say uh, a quick word about our uh, faith commitment giving, FCG. You can find out more about it on our website, or you can look at the monitor in the foyer. Faith commitment giving is a way of giving that is above our regular tithes and offerings. For example, I tithe. And I give above my tithe, but I I give that to the church uh, separately. Faith Commitment Giving is a ministry of our church that supports about 30 different areas of ministry, like A21, which is a sex trafficking um, ministry to help uh, uh, bring healing to lives. We support the jail ministry. We support Celebrate Recovery Inside. We support uh, Day One, which is a ministry, it's a new ministry for women that have been incarcerated but that are being released, and so to minister to them on Day One. We give to the Baptist Student Union. We give to North American Mission Board. We, We give to Hope Range. We give to Safe house, a safe house for women. We give to Parkgate Pregnancy Crisis Center. We give Bibles for soldiers. We give scholarships for mission trips. And the list goes on. It's pretty awesome. And you say, well, I can't give much. What would my little amount matter anyway? I'm telling you, it matters. Um, It's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. So as I'm just telling you, as you invest in that um, faith commitment giving, it's touching a lot of lives, literally, around the world. We support two Filipino pastors. We, I'm, I'm just grasping because I, I want to tell you all of them. And uh, the best thing that I've ever seen, I like to write the check, but I also use, <clears throat> I use faith commitment. In, in, as I give to faith commitment giving, I use the... Um, text to give, 771-4810, 771-4810. It's so easy, I enter that number in, 662-771-4810, and uh, enter in the amount, and I save FCG, Faith Commitment Giving. Now, you could tithe using that too. I'm just giving you an example. But it's such an awesome, awesome, awesome ministry. And um, we also support our church planter, um, through the North American Mission Board. So uh, I encourage you to don't let that become a, 
uh, a memory. Keep that, we want to keep that in front of you so we can keep that uh, many areas of service strong. All right. A uh, couple of other things real quick. Sunday night, this co- not tonight, but next week, we're having a vision night. I am so pumped about this. I want to talk about it right now, but I can't because I'm not supposed to, and i got to preach. But uh, vision night, it's not going to be a long night. We're going to uh, have a couple of songs, and I'm going to share our vision and our strategy uh, for, for the future of reaching people and making disciples. There's so many, there's some fresh new things that we're going to introduce to you that you're going to love. And some of the things that we share with you that night are really going to clarify for you uh, the direction that we're going. We're going to be talking about our core values as a church. So that's next Sunday night. Y'all come, be here. We promise we're not going to keep you for a long time, but we're excited as a staff and we want to share. Both of our campuses will be meeting here at the Saltillo campus. One more thing. Somebody amen that? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Help me, help me. Um, Serve day was yesterday. And if you were a part of that, you know what I'm about to say. It was awesome. We had hundreds of volunteers. Let, let's, let me tell you some of the stuff. I can't tell you all of them because I can't remember them all. We had about 32 uh, projects. We did trash pickup in Saltillo and Tupelo. I've heard personally from the mayor of Tupelo, the mayor of Saltillo, and the city council in uh, Tupelo uh, just, just this weekend thanking us for, for what we did. We provided uh, cookies, individually wrapped cookies. Isn't that awesome? I wish I had one right now. Uh, for uh, Belmont Fulton Police Department, Saltillo Police Department, Fire Department, 911, uh, Guntown Police Department, I think they're delivering them later, um, Tupelo Police Department, New Albany Police Department, Pontotoc Police Department, and uh, all of the uh, 911, not the 911, but the EMTs in Tupelo and New Albany. Uh, is that not getting you like excited? Uh, we did, you can clap in a minute or I'm going to be mad. Um, we did, um, we, we are doing goodie bags for one school in Tupelo and one school in Saltillo. Uh, we gave goodie bags to area businesses near our Tupelo campus and near the Saltillo campus. We, um, um, Salvation Army, somebody said something. Went to three different nursing homes, one in the Albany, Tupelo, <coughs> and uh, Saltillo, and just a lot of other things. I know I can't name them all, and I didn't leave yours out on purpose or anything, but we had just an awesome time. Uh, we did construction on a house of our neighbor here, and um, it's, just, it's just been a good weekend. It was a very, very busy day, and I just want to thank you guys for having a part in that. And if you missed it, don't miss the next one, because... You missed a blessing, I promise you. Uh, and, and serve day is once a year, but that's not the only day that we can serve. And, and of course, you know that. And we'll have other opportunities. But serve day is a collective effort that we say to our cities, 
We're not trying to make a point. We're trying to make a difference. And uh, I, I'm, I'm just thankful for how, how that turned out. Give, give God a, an amen and a praise clap. <clears throat> All right, here we go. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you, you do, I hope you'll turn to, I wish that you would turn. I'm asking you, please, to turn to 1 John chapter 1. I'll read that in just a minute. We're in a series that we started last week <coughs> called Assurance. Assurance. And John writes, and it's a theme that is woven all the way through, in and out, of the book of John. Now, John wrote the book of John. John wrote the gospel of John, and John wrote the epistle of John. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Now, John was a different character. While Paul, for example, which, which wrote most of the New Testament, Paul was very uh, uh, articulate. He would introduce, if he was writing a letter, for example, to a church like, F, like at, at, at Ephesus or Colossae, Colossians, he would, uh, he would say, greetings, salutation in the name of Jesus. This is Paul writing to you guys. Thank you, and thank you that Timothy's coming. And he would name names. He would name himself, and he would name other people. But John never did that. He never named anyone. Uh, he, he never had a, a, a greeting or an introduction or a conclusion. So you, I love the book of 1 John, but when you're reading the book of 1 John, you discover that John is like all over the map. And being all over the map, that's fine, because he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you the difference of the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, John, the writer, he revealed or highlighted the, the deity of Jesus, while in 1 John, he highlighted or revealed the humanity of Jesus. You've got to have both of them. He was fully God. He was fully man. John wrote... Um, we believe that this letter was circulated among various different churches. They were dealing with an issue primarily called Gnosticism. Gnosticism, where is part of the definition, is that they really didn't believe in the supreme God who created the world. They believed the creator was a lesser of the supreme, and that's why he botched it up. He created Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve sinned. But that's, that's how they believe. They believe that Jesus is a way to God, but that you, that you can get to God by your own self uh, uh, works. And so this was creeping into the church. So rather than saying, all right, this is for the church at Ephesus or Philippians, uh, Philippi, uh, this was more like a, a across-the-board, passionate, urgent memo to all the churches because he wanted to help them to, to get their doctrine and their theology right. One of the things that they were struggling with was knowing for certain that they were believers. And uh, last week, I, I talked about, and if you didn't write this down last week, I, this is one last chance. I'm going to give it to you quick. God loves us just like we are unconditionally. Amen? You better thank God for that. Because if, if he was just loving you based on the conditions, on what you do, how you perform, uh, he, he, he wouldn't love us that much. I mean, he would, he would give up on us. If I was God, I would have already given up on me, all right? 
but God doesn't do that. You see, he accepts us. God's acceptance is the power that liberates me. I want to leave this up just for a second. It is God's acceptance of me that empowers me to, to, to stay away from sin. It is God's acceptance of me. God's acceptance is the power that liberates us from sin, not the reward for having liberated ourselves. Like, for example, God looks at Terry Ledbetter and says, well, all right, you, you had a good month. You're doing good. I'm going to accept you. But that's, it's, my acceptance is not based on the, my ability to liberate myself or to get better myself. My acceptance, praise God, is based on God's love and God's power to liberate me. Here's another one I gave you last week. Conversion, when you get saved, conversion is not sinless perfection. Conversion is a new direction. When a person follows Jesus Christ, they're not perfect, they're new. It's a new direction, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And so, as I follow Jesus Christ, he's liberated me uh, by his power. The very fact that he accepts me liberates me to live for him and to go his direction, a new direction. Now, today I'm going to begin in chapter 1, verse 1. First uh, John, chapter 1, verse 1. Follow along, please. As I read, I'm going to give you three observations, and then we're going to go to lunch. Amen? Who's going to buy me lunch? Anybody? You're pitiful. I mean, somebody should have... I'm not asking you to take me to a resort all-inclusive and you pay for it. I was just asking about lunch, okay? That's all I was asking. That's okay. I'm sorry. I'll be okay. I can't can't do lunch because I've got class right after I leave here. But thanks anyway. (laughs) Verse 1, here we go. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this, this, we proclaim concerning the Word, capital W, Word. Uh, By the way, remember John? I'm interrupting myself. That's okay. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, capital W. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God at the beginning. The Word is Jesus. All right, so let's go back. It says, this that we proclaim concerning the Word of life, Jesus. The life appeared. We're going to come back to this uh, Word in a, in a few minutes. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and that has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, when, when John writes all through the book, he's like all over the map, like I said. Uh, Paul would write, Uh, Point number one, A, B, C, point number two. John's all over the place, and this theme of assurance is woven all through the book, how to know for certain that you're going to go to heaven when you die, how to know for certain that God has not forsaken you, how to know for certain that that even in the midst of disappointments and trials that God is going to walk with you uh, through them. And so he writes this, and he's helping them to understand the, the, 
the urgency to follow Jesus and to follow Jesus uh, with assurance. This is the, the first one that I want you to write down. That is, the Spirit of God helps us to experience Jesus. The Spirit of God helps us to experience Jesus. Now, the disciples, and this scripture makes reference to it, the followers of Jesus, the disciples and our other followers, they were there with Jesus. They saw the miracles. Remember what I said following Jesus is? They got up, they visibly, literally, actually followed Jesus. And so they would see Jesus perform miracles. They would see Jesus feed the 5,000. They would see Jesus heal the blind. They would see Jesus uh, raise the little girl. And so you say, well, that's good. If I'd have seen it, I would have believed too, and I would have had assurance. How can I have the same thing that they had? Well, John writes this so that you and I can experience Jesus just like they experienced Jesus. You see, so it is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will send a comforter, uh, a helper, and after that, you will, will receive power and uh, go tell the nations. So we have the Spirit of God as a believer. We have the Spirit of God living inside of us. But here are the, of the disciples, look, what, what they had was not based on theory, all right? You with me? They saw it with their eyes. What they had was not a matter of opinion. They experienced Jesus. But we can experience Jesus too. And this is what I know. The proof of Christianity, this is a long one, so write it down. Or take a screenshot of it or something. The proof, a screenshot. No, take a picture. Just turn your flash off. Um, anyway. I just get tickled at myself sometimes. I'll be preaching going down the road, which I do. Uh, anyway, the proof of Christianity is to these guys, to them, was not in how wise Jesus' teachings seemed to them. They, are, they were wise, but the proof of their relationship with Jesus was not because they thought his teachings were all superior and wise, but by the fact that he had miracles <coughs> and the resurrection to back it up. So they're walking down the road. They're following Jesus. He's already been crucified and, and uh, appeared and ascended. And now they're following Jesus, right? Now they're trying to do church. Now they're trying to do missions. Now they're giving to faith commitment. Give. Now they're doing all these kinds of things, not because they thought Christianity was superior, which it is, not because they thought it was a good idea or Jesus' teachings were, were like wise. It was because that they had experienced the risen Savior who, before he died, they saw him do miracles, and then... They, they followed him for three years. They saw them drag him away and crucify him and breathe his last breath, laid in a tomb, and on the third day risen. Of course, they experienced Jesus. 
One time, a man, blind from birth, uh, um, Jesus healed him immediately. The Bible says the word immediately. Immediately. He was healed. And he was jumping up and down and praising God and the religious people, church people of the day, said, he didn't heal you. That was, he's a sinful man. Uh, and to the religious people, if somebody was blind, it's because somebody did something wrong. Okay? Oh, you, you're blind? Okay. Mm-hmm. Your mom and daddy must have done something. I mean, they must have sinned, or you may have sinned, and that's why you're blind. Um... They confronted me and they say, oh, this guy that you're claiming healed you is a sinful man. And the blind man said, look, I, I don't know. Let the philosophers discuss this and figure this one out. I don't know. All I know is this. I was blind, couldn't see, and now I can see. And so, the miracles that Jesus did point to a much higher reality, a reality in which we can share life with God. Here was the blind man. The proof, you don't have to go back to this one. I just want to refer back to it. The proof of Christianity is not because they, the blind man liked Jesus. The proof of Christianity is that, is that Jesus did something. And so, having said that, the miracles that Jesus did point to a higher, a much higher reality, a reality in which we can share life with God. I've never seen Jesus. Uh, you may say, well, Pastor, one time I was over here and this was happening and I saw Jesus. Jesus take the wheel. Okay, that's you. I'm not going to debate that. Did y'all catch the Jesus take the wheel? Anyway, I did that for the country, folks. Uh, I'm not going to debate you on whether or not you say you've seen Jesus. I've never seen Jesus. I've been pastoring for 33 years as a senior pastor. I, I, I ain't never seen him, but I talk to him all the time. Never heard his voice, but I know he's listening, and I know he's talking. So here, uh, when, when miracles start happening— like the blind man, I'm fixing to give you some quick examples, it points to a higher reality, a higher reality uh, of the truth that God wants to give to us. Let me give you some quick examples. Um, all right, in, um, in um, John chapter 4, one time, Jesus walks up to a well. There's a woman. She's a Samaritan woman. Jews despise Samaritans. Jesus talks to her. Jews didn't talk to Samaritan people, much less Samaritan women. And uh, Jesus starts talking to her, and it's quite evident that he knows everything about her. He says, go tell your husband. I ain't got a husband. He said, I know, you got five, and one you're shacking with right now is not even your husband. That's in the Bible. The word shacking may not be, but uh, it's, in, it's in John chapter 4. She said, Whoa! This guy knows everything about me. But Jesus offered her living water because Jesus loved her. 
If you want to know for certain that the decision that you made, and last week we talked a lot about praying a prayer, and I said there's nothing magical about the prayer. Be careful with that. Know that you put your trust in Jesus. And this message is on assurance of having fellowship, an experience with God. Has the love of God ever pressed in on your soul? And when you realize that, that God knows everything about you, and he still loves you. That could be a proof. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus and the disciples were on a boat. The Bible says that Jesus was asleep in the stern of the boat. He made the storm. He wasn't afraid of it, right? But the disciples were afraid, so they, they thought they were going to die. Let's wake up the master. They go wake Jesus up. He stands up and he says three words. Peace, be still. Has the love of God ever pressed in on your soul? And you, when you were in a storm and suddenly you sense and know that Jesus is saying, peace, be still. I'm telling you, if you've not followed Jesus, you're not going to have that assurance. You're not going to have that peace that he will walk with you through the storm. In Matthew chapter 9, a woman, Jesus was going down the, the street and a, a woman got to him as quick as she could. The Bible says that she touched the hem of his garment. He, he realized that power had gone out and she had been sick for 12 years. She was despised, looked down on, an outcast. Nobody would touch her. Nobody would be her physician. Nobody would have anything to do with her because she was unclean, except for Jesus. And he shared his love with her. Have you ever had the love of God so press into your soul that you, you could feel and sense his love and concern for you? In Mark's Chapter 9, there was another blind man, and uh, Jesus did his stuff. He, he, he worked a miracle, and the Bible says that he said, how, how, how you doing? And he, he stood up, and he looked, and he said, well, I've never seen before, but um, I don't think it's supposed to be like this. The Bible says that his vision was blurry. We're thinking... Uh, Jesus hadn't recharged his batteries, and he needed to do a little second sweep on this guy. But that's not what it was about. That's what Jesus did. And so Jesus touched him and healed him, and he could see, and he was jumping and rejoicing. Why? Is one a one-step healing and the other is a two-step healing? No. It communicates to me that when you follow Jesus... It's a process. It's not a one-time thing. And Jesus was trying to show that it's not just a one-time thing. His miracles, I said this, but his miracles point to a higher reality. When he fed the 5,000, 
They were hungry. He fed them, and, they, and he preached to them. But when he fed the 5,000, he said it himself, this is for a greater purpose, not just to fill their bellies. It was for a greater purpose. A person who comes to Jesus, whether it's today, next week, or whenever you did, it's like a starving man sitting down at a seven-course meal. It's indescribable. It changes your life. That's what Jesus does. And if that's not happened to you, maybe you have never truly followed Jesus. Because when you follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit helps us to experience him. The second one is found in 1 John chapter 2. Are y'all receiving this today? Say amen. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. I'm going to read it really quick. Uh, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is an antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Father, the Son, has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing that you received from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all these things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Second, the Spirit of God gives us an innate sense of God an internal ability to fellowship with God, to connect with God. That's what this is saying. Uh, let me say it a different way. When you truly are a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit gives you an innate sense of who God is. You begin to have fellowship with God. Just as we're walking, the disciples were walk, walking with God on the earth, we have an innate sense of who God is, it starts making sense. Oh, I read that scripture. If anybody ever says to me, uh, you know, this isn't a good thing to say to me because you're going to get a, a rebuttal. I just want to be fed. We're going to go to this church. We just want to be fed. You need to feed yourself and hush and come into the presence of God and worship. Feed yourself. It's not my job to feed you. I'm to teach and to explain, interpret. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Uh, I'm doing it. But if you are never in the Word of God, I'm going to come back to this in a minute, but if you're never in the Word of God, how in the world are you going to ever uh, fellowship with God? The Spirit gives us an innate sense of who He is. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The sheep hear his voice. If you are a believer, if you're truly born again, you'll hear the voice of God, not audibly, but when you're in the Word, when you're at church, you'll hear God. And the Spirit makes that happen. 
The Spirit of God makes that happen. So how do you know? Well, Paul was on the Damascus road. He's going to Damascus. And suddenly, a, 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 a bright light shined, and he fell down on his knees, and Jesus was talking to him. And Jesus says, "Why?" this is King James, Why persecutest thou me, Saul? And this is when Saul began to follow Jesus. The Bible says there's some others there that heard, but they couldn't, they couldn't see nobody. They could hear a voice as if though it didn't make sense to them. That's the way it is with a believer and an unbeliever. As I hear the voice of God, uh, you, God's calling you to what? When? Why? Don't you know? It's dangerous. Believers and non-believers have had that conversation with me, but, but a non-believer doesn't get it. A non-believer doesn't understand why his wife is passionate about getting deeper into Bible study. An unbelieving wife is, doesn't have a clue why her husband likes hanging out at small group and, and talking about the things of God. It's because we have the Spirit of God that gives us that innate sense. Back in uh, chapter 1, verse 2, it says that, uh, I want to show you that word, the life appeared, and we have seen and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared. The word appeared in verse 2 literally means to manifest, or it is manifested. God manifested himself. He appeared to us. And this is what I want you to know. Uh, That manifestation begins at conversion, but but it doesn't stop there. Some people say, well, I prayed a prayer when I was 12 years old, but nothing's ever changed in my life. Like I said last week, 50% of Americans say that they know God or that they prayed a prayer, but two-thirds of them don't go to church. You see, when I... It could have been when you were 30. It could have been when you were 50. I don't know when you followed Christ. Maybe as a teenager at camp. He appeared. He revealed. He manifested. It starts at conversion, but that manifestation, that revealing, that revelation continues over and over and over. I know last series, A life that follows Jesus, I said, sometimes we say we follow Jesus, but the reality is we we often take, or sometimes we take some days off. There have been some times that I've took some days off in my relationship to God, but I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, that I'm forgiven. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, right? But that manifestation, it doesn't just happen When you say yes to Jesus, it happens tomorrow. It happens the next day, the next day, the next day, and the next day. And guess what? When when God is manifesting himself to you, the cross gets bigger. Sin gets real. And God's grace gets sweeter the closer that I get to him. I've got to give you one more. You got time for one more? I'm going to give it to you whether you do or not. All right, here we go. Real quick. 
chapter 5, two verses. 14. This is the confidence we have in him and approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have it. What we asked of him. When you know God, this is the third one. When you know God, this kind of is the conclusion of the message, but when you know God, you can see evidences of God in your life. If the truth were known, God exposed us today. If the truth were known, some of us wouldn't have a lot of evidences that God's even in our life other than the fact that we showed up on Sunday to go to church. What do you mean evidences? Well, that you're growing. That you're maturing in the faith. I, I want to give you two challenges as I, as I close. One, get into the Word of God. How do I do that? Well, come to church. That's one way. But get into the Word yourself privately. Have a quiet time with God. Have a quiet time. I've said it before, get in the Word and let the Word get into you. But, but go, go sit under the teaching of the Word. It, it, it kills me when I've heard people say things like, uh, God told me uh, to do this. And you're thinking, uh, I don't think God told you to do that. People say things like this, God told me to leave my wife. He gave me peace about it. No, the devil gave you peace about it. But when you get into the Word, the Holy Spirit that gives you an innate sense of God produces evidence that you're walking with God. So get in a small group. Oh, goodness. That's so major for us and what we believe that the Bible teaches. Find a small group as a couple or a men's group or a women's group. But get into a small group because in small group, we go from rows. You see that there's rows in the room today? You can't communicate with people on a row. Maybe the person next to you, not your husband, you don't even want to talk to him. A circle. And so we want people to move from rows to circles at North Star. Because in a small group, that community, you can fellowship with each other like John said, and fellowship with the Father. So get under the Word. Second, pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes and open your ears to the next step that He has for you. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for today and for this service. I pray, God, that Your Holy Spirit would just speak bring a fresh anointing in this place today. Today, if you realize that you've never given your heart to Christ right now, not just repeating words, but a declaration from your heart, you can say it like this, but it, it's got to be your decision. And say, God, I need a Savior. I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for my sins on the cross and he rose from the grave. And today I repent. I turn from my sins and I turn to you, Jesus, right now. Come into my life. I put my trust in you, and I follow you today. 
If you made that decision, we want to know about it. Put it on your card. I accepted Christ today. If you will bring it to guest services, we'll, we'll give you a book that will help you to get into the Word. Maybe your prayer as a believer today is, Lord, help me each day to show the evidences that you live in my life. I'm going to ask that everybody stand with me. I want to pray over you. We're going to close with this short time of worship. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would use these closing moments to speak to our hearts. We love you. We thank you for meeting us here today. We give you the praise in Jesus' name.